Hey everybody, welcome to episode 57 of For the Love of Guns. My name's Jason and today I have Mike Pappas from Dead Air Silencers on. Now, this is a great interview. We start off geeking out a little bit about the science of how suppressors work. And then we just kind of settle in and just have a great conversation about the offerings that Dead Air has and, well, guns in general. Now, before we talk to Mike, it's time to pay the bills. And this episode is, well, you guessed it, brought to you by you. You're the reason why I can continue to bring you content, but I do need your help. And it's real simple. All I need you to do is go to www.trb.fyi and go up in the menu to Partners and Discounts. And you just need to do that before you go shopping. Go there, select the partner that is helping me bring you content, and click on it, and it'll take you right to their webpage. And a small portion of your purchase is going to come back to the channel. And the greatest thing is, it's not going to cost you one penny more than you were already going to spend. That's right, you can support the channel for free. Now, if you want to make a donation, you can also do it on the web page as well. You'll see a donation off to the side, and you can make a one-time donation. Now, if you notice it said partners and discounts, that's right. Not only could you support the channel for free, but I could save you some money while you're doing it. Because some of these partners have discount codes. So you go down there, you'll see the discount code, use that when you check out, and you'll save a little bit of money. Now, who doesn't like to save a little bit of money while helping me bring you the content you like? Now with the bills paid, let's talk to Mike. Mike, tell me about your love of guns. Hi, I'm Mike with Dead Air. I'll give you a little brief history about myself. I made my living as an auto mechanic for about 18 years, always into guns, silencers, NFA kind of stuff, that sort of thing. And I was one of the original people that started Silencer Co. And oh, wow. I worked in retail. I managed a gun store in Salt Lake called Get Some Guns and Ammo. And then from Silencer Co., I, for a short time, worked at another gun store, the Gun Vault in South Jordan, Salt Lake, as it were. And then I, or we, I should say, not just me, but um, Dead Air was started, and I'm still employed with Dead Air <laughs> this time. <laughs> well, so that's good. It, it, it's. It's good to be it's good to be self-employed or good to be employed at the company that you started. It is, and that you know, you'd think that sort of thing wouldn't happen unless you wanted it to, but when I came home from work one day from Silent Circle and told my wife that I was fired, she was like, How you can't get fired like you're an owner and I was like well, I think I did though but <laughs> sometimes it works like that too you know you never know 
Yeah, it, it's true because you know things things happen that you just they're just out of your control. But what's kind of cool about that is is that if that didn't happen, dead air wouldn't exist, right? No, it would. It certainly would not. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's that's uh, almost a little bit so of divine intervention there. Maybe, but I liken it to congratulating, say, a man who's got divorced and is now happy. Like, oh, good thing you got divorced. Well, it doesn't still feel like that good of a thing, but it is what it is. You know, you dust yourself off and move on. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of the key to to just, you know, being a successful business person is, you know, things happen. Things, you know, not everything is in with your inside your control and you just deal with what you've got and then you move on. And right now, I mean, you have dead air, you know, dead air silencers, which, you know, that is like a household name in silencers. I mean, it's just not a it's not a small, well, we've been, you know, a, we've been lucky and I'm super thankful for that. And a lot of things have went our way and. I couldn't be happier with how that's worked out. I would explain it like this. It's like a love story. I can tell it on a boat. I can tell it in space. You can tell it anywhere. It's kind of the same old thing in the silencer co thing. I think for me, I started to disagree with all the other partners on where we were going and what we were doing in general. And then I was seen as an obstacle. And in my mind, I was seen as an obstacle because I didn't want to do stupid things. But everybody else just saw it as resistance. So, <laughs> you know, I it's funny because it, I remember as a kid, my father, um, he had a, he founded his own company with a partner. And, you know, partners start seeing different things. And he separated sure. from that partner. And, and he said, if I ever went in back in business again, I'm never going to have a partner because partners are for dancing. And he, he was like, if I do my thing, it's going to be my thing. And people are just not going to tell me what, what I'm going to do anymore. I think there's some solace to that. And I think that's probably the correct answer for, a lot of people, but that's not the case for me is I have, I don't have enough strengths to do that. Like I need different people with different skill sets to make a team. And I'm more of a member of a team than a sole proprietor kind of a, but that and look, just know where, what kind of person you are and then figure that out and, then work your way through the world. And that's kind of, it would be nice if I was well-rounded enough to do the entirety, but that's certainly not the case. I'm not businessman enough. I'm like a regular gun enthusiast guy. I need some help. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And then, and that's one of the things no. that just working with dead air, you know, even at shot show talking to everybody at dead air, you've surrounded yourself with some, excellent people um how everybody that? that you i know right i mean that's just everybody you talk to at dead air they're just they're amazing people they're 
they're in they're in it for the mission. Um, they want to make sure that no matter who they're talking to, they're getting the correct message. They're they're uh, everybody's enthusiastic about the product, and they just want to help everybody out understand more about dead air or every, help everybody with a product, which is great. I or, mean, because there's yeah. so many companies that just can't even do that. Or look, here's the thing. I don't believe that we make every product that's the perfect product for every person. I, that's not the case. But we do make some products that are the perfect product for a lot of people. And I think you don't want, I think what you want to do is interact with a person, a customer per se, a guy at the shot show or whomever, and try to help them get what they want. And even if they buy something from someone else or choose to go a different path, at some point they will buy something from you when it's the right thing. In other words, I think that it's very important not to oversell a person. Yeah. You know, if that makes sense. And I think that's helped us. Look, it goes back to the, we're, I think of myself as you, the person that's listening to this, that we want the same things. I just, I'm an enthusiast and I like guns and cans and things of that nature. And if you like it too, and we can work together, do a little business together, then all the better. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, enthusiasts really kind of drive the market, right? Because enthusiasts are the ones that are looking like, hey, we came up with something, it's great, but we could do something a little better with it too. What if, what, you know, they're the what if peoples, right? What sure. if we do this? What if we change that? And then now you have just one real kick-ass product then. Well, not to say that enthusiasts can have great ideas and be super excited about the product, passionate about the sector that they're in. Say an enthusiast wants to make kayaks, but he probably sucks at doing taxes and marketing. <laughs> yeah. You need a guy to do your taxes and help you market because you can make the greatest kayak ever but if no one knows about it then you don't sell any and you don't now your passion is gone you don't have a business yeah now, so i agree with that because you know for me being a sole proprietor it's tough because i'm i'm the talent i'm the the business side i'm the bookkeeper i'm the person getting on the phone doing accounts receivable trying to get things paid and then what happens is if if i'm doing all that other stuff i'm taking away from what i should be doing which is the talent side and then you know i i i'm not as successful as a as a, as a business eventually you need to get the right people in the right seats of the business so that way you can focus on what you need to focus on whether your job is That's the right. accounting side or the marketing side or coming up with new ideas, let those people do the jobs that they're designed to. And then everybody just starts going in the right direction. I'd give you my most current example right now. Okay. Keith opened this computer up and made it come on. And I just sat down here. 
I yeah. want to do a podcast with you, but I'm pretty technologically retarded. So I need a little help on that. <laughs> yeah, well, but you know what's funny? Because I get that a lot with doing podcasts. Um, it's there, there are people they are like, Hey, look, I, I do this. I'm not a computer person and I don't expect people to be a computer person. I mean, I, I've been doing it for 24 years, uh, almost 25 years now. And, you know, I've got a lot of knowledge crammed in my head, but sometimes I look at something else. I mean, you, you grew up as a mechanic there. I could sit there. I was like, okay, I can, I can. I understand the concepts of a car. I understand certain concepts of doing things, but I'm not going to tear an engine out and start rebuilding an engine either. You know, that's, that's when you just call in the expert. When I podcast on my own, I just do it on my phone. There you go. I can figure that you do, out. No you kind of do the selfie me. thing. <laughs> I prop it up and then just kind of get to where I kind of frame up a little bit and then just let it roll. There you go. You see, and those are kind of some of the fun kind of, uh, podcasts because I have, you know, I have the interview podcast and I have a, a what I call micro podcast, which is uh, under 10 minutes where it's just me and the camera at that point. And, you know, I enjoy doing the, the interviews because I meet some amazing people and talk to them. But sometimes it's just fun to just sit there and talk to a, to a phone, you know, sure. you don't have to worry about the technical glitches. I don't have to worry about. Is my internet going to stay stable? You, you just get to you just get to kind of chill out at that point. Yeah, fair. So now, for for people who don't understand silencers or suppressors, would you mind giving like the thirty thousand foot view of the silence, uh, the science behind them? Okay, kind of how it works. Yeah, just basic like, the, the basics of it. No, yeah. Nothing really crazy. Sure. Of course. <coughs> oh, <clears throat> this will be super simple, kind of um, <clears throat> like you say, base as it were. The main thing that we deal with is temperature differential. And I'll give you a couple of examples of that to kind of. So in your mind, as you listen to this, you can kind of understand where the noise comes from that we deal with. If you have a turbine engine, jet engine, high bypass fan, whatever, and you spin it up, it's not really super loud, but once you put the fuel in there and light it, the thing that's making it so loud now is the amount of heat coming out of the exhaust. And that would be maybe another easy thing to compare it to as a oxygen acetylene torch. If I crank the oxygen and acetylene on a torch and I don't strike it, it's not lit. The sound of that gas coming out, really, you wouldn't even know it was on unless you smelled the acetylene. But when I strike it and that flame is 2,500 degrees, you have to yell at me. You have to talk louder because it is a roaring fire. So when a projectile leaves the muzzle of a barrel, all the propellant gases and heat generated from that goes out into the air. And now you get this kind of effect like the flow of current electricity is silent. But when you hear it arcing, it's the heat that you're hearing, not the flow of the current. 
it's arcing and heating that metal up where it's arcing and that's what you hear. And that's the same thing with thunder. That bolt of lightning is, that makes no noise, but it superheats so much air around it that it makes that house shaking thunder. So you want to let your projectile enter the can, silencer, suppressor, whatever you want to call it. I call it a can generally, don't hate me. I'm a simple man. No, that's why I, I the like <laughs> Okay, good. The propellant gases expand at a rate of about 6,000 feet per second. And that is going to hold fairly true from the fastest of pistol burning powder like blue dot to the slowest of rifle powder like 50 BMG. The expansion rates very similar as they travel through the air. Now, those propellant gases, let's say it's 5.56 NATO, AR-15, if you will. Super familiar with everybody gets that. Your projectile is going about 3,000 feet per second. The gas is going about 6,000. And the thing that you have to struggle with is as the gas passes the bullet, if you watch it on slow-mo, a great amount of gas will exit the muzzle end of the can, the distal end, and start to dissipate into the atmosphere. And then the bullet will come into frame. And then a very large amount of gas will come out after the bullet passes. Putting that superheated burst of energy, gas, into the ambient temp air is what pounds your eardrums. So what you want to do in the can is let some of that heat sink off and slow that down and damper the amount of volume that comes out of there all in one time. So you're going to lengthen that event over a few milliseconds so it dissipates easier into the air and it's cooler. Your gas that comes out of the end of a can is going to have much lower exit temps out of the can than it does or did have when it exited the muzzle of the barrel. So that being said, a thing that you struggle with and the reason why you can't just put washers in a pipe, that as that gas gets ahead of the bullet, it makes these super high speed, high pressure, you call it a jet of gas inside the can but it's like a little windstorm and the bullet has to pass through that, right? Cause it's ahead of it. And if you disrupt that or vibrate it, then it shoots very poorly and you'll hear the bullet as it flies through the air wobbling, making that kind of a wiffle ball sound. And then that's destabilized. Everyone's heard destabilized bullets. They make a kind of a waffling sound through the air. So, you can't do that. You can't push it over to one side. You know, there's a few, there's not much going on in there, but there's a lot going on in there. And that's the basic premise that we try to do. Delay the gas, cool the gas, ease it out into the air. And, and it's funny because most people that, think, you know, yeah, I, I love that. And I totally love the torch um, analogy used because Anybody's worked with a torch. torch you turn, right? Yeah, you turn a torch on, you you might hear a hiss, right? But yeah, the second Maybe. you ignite that thing, you you hear that whoosh, sound coming through. 
Yeah. And I love that and how you're using that talking about the noise. Um, because most people, you know, I don't say most people, most people are just starting to learn about um, about cans or silencers, suppressors. They think it's a muffler, right? And it's no, it's not a muffler. Um, there are there's some very specific things happening inside there that, you know, like you're saying, you're you're trying to you're you're delaying the gas, and at the same time, while you're delaying that gas going out, you're cooling it. You're giving it a chance to to cool down, and then you're still venting it out. It just comes out a little bit later, a little bit cooler, and that's where the sound is. You know, that's where you lose the sound. And I love how you were talking okay. about that because most people just they they have no idea. They just there's this magical black well, I don't want to say black box, a, a magical black cylinder that you screw on there. You know, it was sprinkled with like some, you know, pixie dust mixed with like some devil snot. And suddenly, you know, these guns are completely quiet, which is a kind of a myth in and of itself right there. But there Fair. is an actual science to this thing. Yes, no, it's... Uh... And depending on what aspect of it, I mean, there's, you could spend as much time as you wanted learning about it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's actually, it's pretty interesting. I'd, I'll give you that. It's very interesting. And if, you know, you don't think there's a lot to it, then do some form ones and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know. Like, I shouldn't but, yeah, I know someone who's formed one, uh, a few of their designs, and that's their personal cans. Um, actually, I was on a podcast with them last night. We were talking a little bit about uh, suppressors and all that stuff. And, and you know, we got talking about the solvent traps, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, you know, those things, we kind of went through the whole thing of, hey, look, yeah, anything will work once. It just depends on how many times it's going to work. Anyway, in putting freeze plugs inside of a tube, it, it's not doing the job, right? I mean, like you were talking about where the bullets start to wobble, that's going to happen inside of a poorly a poor design. And Correct. how many how many pictures have we seen on the internet where you know the hole on the on the outside of the uh, of the um, of the homemade can? is no longer a hole. It's kind of a hole with a, you know, a pretty big nick out of it from the bullet tumbling. That happens um, plenty enough on commercially sold silencers yeah. as well. You know, any little, any little thing that ammunition problem once in a while you'll get a, and people don't get this cause you don't get to actually see it, but there's more partial cores in jacketed projectiles than one might think or voids when you're target shooting paper you call it a flyer no harm you're not sure what happened but you don't get to look at it and you don't know that that was the case but you're firing away and you've got a better part of a core in a jacket and that's a bullet strike and you're like oh i got a bullet strike well maybe it was poorly manufactured, you know, miss QC in the projectile or, you know, any great number of things could happen to do that. So you get that enough, let alone having a design that 
eases the bullet solver into the side. Yeah. So what are common misconceptions of suppressors? I mean, I talked about one where they, they're mis everybody thinks that if you go buy a suppressor, you're going to be James Bond and it's going to be like perfectly quiet. Um, I mean, suppressors don't, they don't, they don't quite work that way. Um, you know, I guess if you get a long enough one, maybe, um, no, you know, once, no, if you make it too long, you'll run into the same kind of noise that you would get if you, let's say we took an oxygen acetylene bottle, right? And it tipped over yep. and it didn't have the cap and the valve blew off. It'd sound like a gunshot, although there's no heat there. You've just got such a volume of gas rushing out the hole that it gets loud. In other words, if I threaded a fire extinguisher and put baffles in it, it'd be hideously loud. Because I'm, in essence, taking, I'd explain it like this. I've got a five-gallon bucket filled with water. And I'm going to fill a big gulp cup, one quart. Bro, I've got more than enough water to fill it every time. So when you have this huge volume of gas and you compress it into a very, very large silencer, even though there's no heat there, just the amount of time it takes for it to depressurize, it, it will get loud on you. You can't win by doing that. Like that will not help you. Trust me, I've tried it. It's, it's a waste <laughs> of your time. It, it needs to be, it can only have so much volume to actually work. So there's, like I say, there's a lot of things going on in that. I hope that makes sense. Like, Yeah, it, it does. And, and that's the thing that I, I think most people have a misconception of is that you can't just put these things together. There is a science to this. Um, well, you know, you're going you're gonna to need to do some but, work and... Your results may vary wildly. You know, it's yes. a evolution and you'd probably have to, you'd start out being as simple as you could. And after a while, your designs would become more complex as they started to work better. I think the misconception that most people have that have had no real world experience and been around them, they get surprised when their firearm, if it's semi-auto, or auto of any kind of system, delayed roller blowback or piston or gas is dirtier. It's gonna cause a little bit of back pressure and your firearm is gonna run dirtier. You're gonna get a little bit more port gas. So if you're smelling a little bit of gas on something that's semi-auto say, you're probably going to increase that. You're going to increase bolt speed a little bit. Your never going to be able to deal with the or mankind hasn't figured out a way to get rid of the supersonic noise yet if we had figured that out like every airplane you got on at go over 550 miles an hour it'd go 900 miles an hour and your trip time would be cut in half but if you did that the sound on the ground would just people wouldn't put up with it you can't be sonic booming over every everything you go over <laughs> So that no, I mean, supersonic track, that's, that's just there in super ammo, unless you go to sub ammo like 
you get your movie quiet out of 22 long rifle in a lot of cases yeah. mind numbing quiet just undrop jaw quiet you've been around him enough to know yep but yep. and then you can get some crazy 300 black and sub nine and things like that that are wowingly quiet but any kind of supersonic cartridge that you've chosen to suppress and fire is going to have it's not going to give you the hollywood yeah absolutely because that's that's the thing that people don't understand i'm going to get this thing and it's just going to be super quiet uh, don't don't count on it depending on what you're using it for um yeah. You know, yeah, I've seen Fair. 22s that are just really amazingly quiet. Um, and I, I say that because, I, I mean, I used to shoot 22s without hearing protection when I was a kid because, you know, I was young and dumb and, and stuff like that. But now it's just like, you know, with these new generations of, of suppressors coming out there, it's amazing what they're doing. But you're also talking about a pretty small bullet, uh, generally subsonic. Um, so you don't have you know, the bullets not doing the crack um as it's, it's just a great you know thing i mean i had i was telling the story last night on a podcast there was a there was a rabbit that was injured that was on my property here and you know we, we don't want to suffer and one of my neighbors came over with his 22 with his can and you know nobody in the neighborhood even knew that gun went off you know no, no fair if you're Shooting 22 long rifle at 50 yards into a tree stump with can and standard velocity, which is subsonic or specifically saying subsonic on the box, whatever. That's going to be way louder the bullet impact than the noise made by the firearm discharging. Crazy now, quiet. All also, it isn't like uh, bolt actions. Yeah, let's just say the same. Let's just take a 308. Putting a 308 through a bolt versus a semi, like an AR-10, the bolts are quieter than the gas guns, correct? 100%. Because it's You've got, some of that is the firearm. Let me, I'd like to, and I think people get this misconception in their mind because of the path the projectile's taking when it leaves, right? The gas has no direction to it the gas is much like when you blow up a balloon it's every direction equally it's just pressure there is no i mean only when it starts to pressurize and depressurize does it have a path that it has to follow but in the bore as it's expanding it'll go if the bolt the faster the bolt opens up the more superheated gas is going to come out of the ejection port, right? Which, as you know, that causes noise. That causes yep. what you'd normally refer to as port pop. So you could have two AR-10s and one that had a longer gas tube and maybe a little bit more reduced gas volume and one that had more carbine length carbine depending on what part of the country you're from sorry to you people in the no. east we say carbine out here in the west i apologize um carbine gas length that is going to open the bolt quicker that is going to have less dwell time 
that is going to be a louder gun to the shooter because it is going to have more port noise suppressed, unsuppressed, regardless of whose suppressor you have on it. It's just the way it works. You're going to get a little noise out of that. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I like to talk about some of the, you know, misconceptions because people don't understand it. It's, it, it depends on what you're trying to do with the can. It depends on the gun that you're using. It depends on your ammo. There are a lot of factors that are going on that you don't just screw these things on and magic, it, you know, it's just this magic thing. Um, you know, you can take that can from gun to gun and you'll get different results. I'd like to say this, and this is a thing that we constantly try to guide customers through. I'm just going to give you an example to try to not complicate the waters with sure. other brands and other products within our line. A Sandman S, K, and L. A Sandman L is most at home on bolt guns. It is a larger volume can, it's longer. A Sandman S, short, is most at home on semi-auto platforms. It has less volume, so it's gonna have less port pop action noise to the shooter. It's also gonna have less decibel reduction at the muzzle of the can, but you'll get washover from that. In other words, if I made the muzzle super quiet with a really high back pressure can and it was just blowing my eardrums out from the port, like that's still no good. And then we have a Sandman K, which is a very short, and I would tell you it's the minimum smallest thing that you want to use that you can use with some success and comfort. That's an entry can in my mind. That's a truck gun can in your neck of the woods for you and me. Yep. You know, so you've got bolt gun, semi-auto and entry truck gun. And it's basically the same model in different lengths, trying to be tuned to different rifle platforms. Not to say that you can't put a Sandman L on an AR-10 or a AR-15, for example, you certainly can and you can tune for it and you can get great results but it's not the easy button. Yeah. So yes, yeah. you're correct. You've got to, you kind of got to look, I don't know if you want to get a, what was that little Chevy love? Yeah. You know, was oh, that yeah. the, the truck little love pickup truck. Yeah. You want a ton dually. They're both Chevy trucks, but the ton dually is going to be awfully expensive to use as mostly driving to the store and, driving around for transportation and a little Chevy loves probably going to struggle when you put that 36 foot triple axle camp trailer on the back, you know, yeah. they're Chevys. Yeah. Yeah. One's, one's going to, one's going to haul, uh, haul a cord of wood a lot easier than the other. Yeah, correct. See for me, for, I do a lot of wood cutting. And for me, I use a 1083A1, which is like a five-ton military truck for that. But I don't ever draw. I, I drove it yesterday because we did a little filming with it yesterday. But it can sit for months at a time without ever being started or touched, you know? It's not your go-to-the-store yeah. transportation truck. I, I couldn't afford to do it. <laughs> no. 
No, I, 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 I had, um, back when I was in FFL, I had a customer, um, he used to buy old military vehicles and, uh, I went, I was shooting out by his house one time. He, but him and his son invited me up to go shooting. We're out there shooting. And I'm just like looking at this stuff going, this is just awesome. He's got some great pieces of equipment there and the stuff will sit there months, sometimes years between yeah. moving. Cause well, you just don't, you, you, you don't run up to the store. You, you couldn't afford to. No, you couldn't. So yeah, fair. Now, I think that's a great example of it. Now dead air's motto is no gimmicks, no shortcuts, just poor, poor, uh, pure performance give no quarter. Would you mind walking us through that, that, that motto? Cause you know, mottos mean a lot to a company in the culture. I think it's in general speak a way of saying that we, and I'm not saying that we don't put an emphasis on business because we do. We put a great emphasis on business and marketing and trying to get the word out and all of that sort of thing. But our primary thing is we are end users. We are customers. We are enthusiasts. We are shooters. We are trying to make product that we want to make product that you want. And I think a great example of that is the Wolverine. We make a very specific Kalashnikov based product. One of my favorite products, but I'm kind of an AK guy. So for financial business reasons, that probably wasn't a very smart product to put so much time and resources into and development time and to field. It's one of the poor selling products that we have. But to people that love that product, like it is the only choice from anyone. We really dominate the Kalashnikov AK-based market with that product. I think it's saying things like that. The no quarter is kind of an old-timey way of saying Giving a person quarter would be in a battle, you would take prisoners and you would provide for their well-being. You'd feed and shelter them. If you said no quarter, that is another kind of an aggressive way of saying just kill them all. So it's just get just get business done. It's, yeah, it's just a way of saying that. We're also, I mean, we are passionate about the fight as well. And you are, although I think we're friendly and I've got a lot of people that I really enjoy seeing and respect, but we're also battling for ground with them, you know? Yeah. Well, so I think yeah, that's... I mean the way I take the no quarter out of that is, is you guys are in it for the long haul. You're in it for the, the battle. You're, you're in it to, you're in it for the entire time that someone's working with you. You're, you've got skin in the game and you're doing it. Well, and we also, 
warranty wise, you know, we super appreciate anyone who does business with us. And we try, we do treat people like we would like to be treated. And, you know, it, it's not uncommon that a person calls and is like, look, I did this totally my fault. I'm sorry, but that person also needs help. And if you had made a mistake and wanted help, you'd be very thankful if help was given without making you buy another product because it was your fault. Imagine if Toyota treated you like that once in a while or yeah. whomever your automobile of choice is, Buick or whatever. Like you're like, hey, yeah. I did something stupid to your car. And the, could you imagine the Toyota dealer being like, ah, we got you, bro. Just don't do we it got again. You. We'll yeah, we, fix we got you covered. No, they would fix it and charge you up one side and down the other. You know, Absolutely. so we try to be that kind of Let's talk a little bit about your warranty since we started talking about it, because um, you warranty your cans for life for craftsmanship, right? So if you buy that thing, right. you're going to, you know, dead air is going to stand behind that. And one of the things about your warranty is it talks about that if for some reason it can't be repaired, you'll give them 50% off of, you know, a new can, a comparable can. Um, no, that's not true. Talk a little bit about that. No? If it can't be, no, uh-uh. We've never done that ever. If it can't be repaired, we give you one and a check for $200 so you don't have to pay the tax stamp again. Oh, We've never amazing. made a person buy a can that's been destroyed. Now, I'd tell you that also the warranty is not an open invitation for destructive testing and or abuse. Yeah. Like you can't continue. If you, and people do this, a guy had a mask and a pistol can. I'm not sure whose pistol can it was. May ours or some, I don't recall. A threaded Glock nine millimeter. It's, they're both half 28 threaded. One of his friends put his mask on, his nine millimeter pistol. Dude, I'm cool with that. Like you totally screwed that up. Not your fault. Like your friend, nine millimeter won't fit through a 22 can. We no. gave him a new can. You know, wow. like that's, I think that's the kind of help that I'm talking about giving. Now let's say this guy I'll give you another situation. You continue to buy, or you buy a Sam NS, very tough cam from us, and you put it on a belt-fed machine gun, and you're like, I'm gonna shoot it till it blows up. Okay, I'm with you once. I'll, I'm in, I'll give you a new cam, but if you call me every Monday morning saying I blew it <laughs> up again, blew it up again, I'm gonna be like, no, you can't yeah. abuse me. Like you can't push me around, bro. I'll help you. But I mean, there's got to be a little bit of a, it can't be insanity. So I, th but I think it works out pretty good. Like I say, we we're more than happy to, to give a person a pass on a mistake or 
any kind of problem that they have, especially, I mean, it goes without saying if it's like you say, manufacturing defect or whatever. Yeah. There's no question there, but we like to try to, you know, take it to the next level and treat you like you'd want to be treated. Awesome. Now I'm going to bring up your webpage here. So the one thing that amazes me about your uh, about your products is that you have six rifle series of silencers now series because in each one of those silencers you have different options you have four pistol series of silencers and then one rimfire how does someone go about choosing i mean other than the rimfire where you only have one i mean how does someone go about choosing like in a rifle you know, uh, a Sierra five versus, you know, one of the others. Okay. That's a great question. And that's a very common question. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. The screen is just a blur to me okay. where I'm sitting, but <laughs> that's fine. let's say I know the product a little bit, so I don't have to really read the website. Sure. I, I'll, tell, I'll, tell, I'll follow me, your lead. Okay. <laughs> If your primary, let's say that a Wolfman, let's say that's a can of interest for us. And I'm not sure, like, you know, what I can do with it or, you know, if I should buy that. Primarily, that is going to shine on pistol caliber carbines and subgun, subgun-esque type of firearms. You can put a booster in it and put it on a, nine millimeter SIG or HK or whatever kind of pistol that you choose, you know, tilting barrel. So it's boosted. That will work on that. It's a giant can for a handgun. That's a very secondary use. But in your wounded rabbit thing, that would be phenomenal. Look, you're not out target shooting like, look, you need the power of nine millimeter. Wham, sorry, rabbit, but you feel no pain now, you know, so it does have some crossover use to it. Plus it is a very good sounding five, five, six can. It is an incredible sounding 300 black can. Um, you can shoot seven, six, two by 39 through it. There's all manner of fun things that that will do. I like to, if a person wants to take the time to ask, I like to ask them, tell me about your firearms a little bit. You know, like, are you more into bolt guns, magnum bolt guns, semi-auto stuff, pistol caliber stuff? And then we could, you know, help them to select something that fits best in their life. You know, if a guy was like, hey, I'm super into AKs, like I call dead air and I'm like, I'm kind of an AK guy and, you know, military style firearms as they would be, you know, wows. I don't want to use the, I come up with this and I want you to help me make it catch on. A wow is, is a weapon of war. And I think that's catchy and fun. So I'm <laughs> like, I've got some wows and I want to put a can on them because they're fun to play with and I like them. I'm probably going to, you were probably going to want to tell me about a Wolverine 
and then hit me with the fact that I can convert it to standard one and three eighths thread now, and I can put R mounts or anyone's mount in it, anyone's QD or direct thread or taper mound or whatever I want. And I'm like, oh, oh, tell me more. Like, that seems like it'll fit on a ton of stuff I have. That thing sounds yeah. great on 308-esque style size powder volume, if you will, 40 grain capacity cartridges, like 6.5 Creedmoor. And it's it's not half bad on 300 wind mag. Now it's no Nomad L, if you will, but it is a very doable can on Magnum cartridges. It fits on all your like Galil and you know all your Clash oh, stuff. Looks like and your FAL and your G3 and all that kind of stuff. Oh look, is that on a mini four? What is that on? I that looks that. like I'm an M1 carbine almost. Oh, that's uh, that's an Egyptian rifle called. A Rashid. It's like the little sister to the Hakeem. So the Swiss set up the Egyptians with like an AG42, but instead of 6555 Swiss, they made an eight millimeter Mauser, which is actually kind of cool. But that's one of those. But that can does just tons. It's the most universal can that we have that will fit on the largest variety of firearms in this country right now so like you know there's decide what you shoot the most and then kind of start looking into that and then secondarily what you shoot the most then look into that and try to find the best can and we're always here to help too so so basically figure out what your use case for the can is correct contact yeah contact they're there and go, hey, these are my use cases. And then of course. you'll start walking through what, what the options are at that point. Look, send an email to info at deadairsilencers.com. I get that it's a ton of money. I get that it's a super long wait. I totally get that. You don't want to buy something because someone talked you into it. Like, we won't hard sell you. We'll try to figure out what you want and if we don't think we have it, I'll direct you somewhere else. Like you can go buy a can from somebody else. If someone has got something that you really want that we just don't have, we don't make a can for 50. Currently we don't really make a dedicated 33 caliber bore can, you know, it just, so I might push you off to somebody else, but I'll try to help get you the best product over there, you know, and, give you something to ask for there. Awesome. Cause, cause that's the whole thing is going through this stuff. Um, really it's, it's hard to know what exactly what can is going to do what for someone. That's what I like about, about your whole concept of the cut. You know, you're really a customer first company. Just let us know what you want. Sure. We'll help you figure it out. Yeah. hundred percent. You'll be back. You know, It'll if we don't have what you want right now, like we'll still be here and we have probably plenty of stuff that'll fit with most anybody. So, so I got to ask that's the you way I would like to be. Okay. On the, Wolver on the Wolverine, 
did you come up with with the name because of um, the movie? <laughs> not, and I'm I'm talking about yes. Red Dawn, not. not no, we not did. We totally get the movie off, hundred percent. Yeah, because as soon as we you're talking about with, AK, uh, it just it seemed very fitting, and just like it was meant to be to use that as a name the it didn't start out like this but the further that we progressed and we tried i've got several different wolverines that we made that were poor for mounting until we got to the one that we have now and the problem with that is that we knew that it needed to encompass those 26 millimeter you go M82 or yeah. what the kids would normally see is a pap. What is the a Draco or a Draco? A Draco, Draco. Yeah. 26 yeah. millimeter that's bigger than the can, right? So to yeah. get those threads that big, it had to look, it had it was starting to get that water snake ate a frog look to it. Then we started to look at, and I'd never seen one, only pictures to this point. And I've only seen one in my life, to be totally honest with you, a Russian PBS one can. I've seen one and I hadn't, and it, we'd had the Wolverine for some years before I was shown one of these and like a physical specimen of it. But the, it started to take the shape of a PBS one Russian can. So that's where we took the Wolverine PBS one from to give it that little, just a little extra added communist bonus feel, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love a little communist feel to it. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, let's face it. Dirty, you know, yeah. I mean, little poor. It, it's yeah, little sad. It, it's a little sad. Yeah, a little, little, uh, yeah. little uh, slightly angry. You know, feel the yeah, but you don't dare say feel. anything. But you know, they'll just come and shoot you in the night. Yeah, you know exactly. how those communists. <laughs> you don't want to be seen as a loudmouth over there. No, no, no. It's that's that's that is definitely a way to a short life over there. Yeah, correct. So uh, I'm going to switch gears a little bit to some of your accessories because you sell things more than just cans. I mean, you have all kinds of adapters um, and even flash hiders here, which I like because, you know, some of these flash hiders, you can just mount your can right over top of the flash hider, correct? Yes, yeah, so we breaks. have... I'd tell you that we have two distinct styles of mounting. We have a cutie offering, which is a chemo. And in the chemo, there's micro chemo. And okay. that pretty much is going to tell you that it has nine millimeter through hole, through bore okay. for the bullet to pass. So you can take the same QD. The problem with like, uh, we make a three lug mount as well 
But the problem with the three lug is just by design, it has to have a little bit of a play in, play in it. So your can's never super tight. Like you can always wiggle it around a little bit. It can lead to not being as accurate as your firearms capable of, let's put it that way. So we have the QD mounts, the chemo and micro chemo. And then we have a Xeno, which is a very commonly used, very basic, but very solid approach to threads and a taper for alignment and sealing and to stay tight. A chemo is actually a threaded to taper as well, but it's less than a turn of rotation and it does seal and align on a taper, but see that's a Xeno adapter. So that's one and three eighths on the can end. Now, here's kind of an interesting thing about our Xeno system. The install, the muzzle device on the outside where it interfaces with our adapter is left-hand threaded. Okay. So when you tighten it on to your firearm, you know that your muzzle device is tight and your adapter's tight in your silencer. And when you take it off, if it's wanting to be a little sticky or locked on, you've left it on there a long time, it will break the adapter and muzzle device apart because you're really driving the adapter and barrel in most cases. Look, I understand there's some left left-handed muscle devices but in most cases it's very helpful to have that left-handed and i notice a lot of muzzle this same threaded taper mount style they never intended from inception to make it as an adapter it was built into their can so it's of course right hand threads well when it's in an adapter that becomes just one more junction for it to unscrew from so we had the luxury of it was only a couple of years ago that we came out with the xeno the threaded taper system and then it was obvious to us to make it left hand threaded so it's super easy to use it's lighter weight See, not complicated and again it goes back to the whole engineering thing there there's more going on than than just screwing these things on um I mean, yeah, you, have a whole, you have a whole science of just how to attach it, yet alone how, to, how the thing works. Well, then if you're, look, you can get away with direct thread. And I'm not saying that direct thread's not the right option for certain people in certain situations. But I can tell you this about direct threading a silencer. It's a battle to keep it tight. You know, yeah. and if it comes just barely loose, like seven or eight, 10 degrees, whatever has not got tension on the barrel shoulder or muscle, if it's muscle seating, once you don't have that tension, you have just a very minute amount of vibration. So you're going to disrupt the harmonics of that, that rifle's barrel and you will watch the point of impact move. And then you're like, oh, maybe my can's tight. And you just barely tight, and then it'll come right back to zero again. Wow. You know, things that you 
things that you learn as you go on. And our job here is to answer those questions because we've made all those mistakes and can help guide people into getting the right thing. Now I have one thing up on here from your webpage. Now, suppressors or cans or silencers, whatever your choice of word is for the device, they run hot, right? Because you are cooling gases inside of that. But the had suppressor cover. Now, with the suppressor running hot, why would you want to put a cover over top of it? That's a great question. And I would like to say this. I think that is a point of confusion and a lot of people wonder why you'd want to do that in heavy training where you have to switch from firearms what do they call it high speed guys transition yeah yep. you're gonna drop your rifle and sling it and then go for sidearm that can's gonna be hot so you would use it to protect yourself from being burned Okay. in that scenario and i think a lot of people are looking for that but for me i don't do high speed stuff i'm sure. a recreationalist if i'm going to transition i just i set my rifle down and then i find my pistol or second rifle and then i start shooting that there's nothing high speed about me i'm not going to be doing this while i'm running across the field or whatever or yeah, you're like, you're like, me, you're, not, you're not going to see me running across a field in full kit with a plate carrier. That that, that, that's just not me. Look, here's my, if it rains, I just go home. I'm done now shooting for the day. <laughs> or if it gets too hot or cold or windy, same answer. See you guys later. I don't have to do this. It's not fun anymore. So I leave. I use a mirage cover or a cover as a mirage cover more than anything. Magnum bolt guns, especially on a titanium can where it really transfers the heat, excuse me, super fast. And you don't have to shoot too many shots through a mag bolt gun to get your sculpt swimming. And a mirage cover will allow you to, you know, shoot 20 rounds instead of five or seven or whatever. So I use it for precision rifle as an aid for getting the mirage out of my scope. But I think the other use is being more high speed, but I really don't do that with it, but we sell them for both. Same product, different applications. So now if somebody's interested in buying a dead air silencer, I mean, they can't buy them from you. They'd have to buy them through a dealer, correct? It's going to have to be transferred to an FFLSOT in your state, the state that you're in right now, where you live, where you can buy a handgun. And we have a dealer locator. You can type in your zip code and it will show dealers in your area. You can go through several different um, Capital Armory, Silencer Shop, Silencer Central. There's some 
distributors that have nationwide coverage. And okay. our main way that we do business is what you call the two-step distribution model. All of the product that we make goes to firearm distribution. And so your local, let's say you have a favorite local gun store you want to do business with, you tell them to order or maybe they stock what you want. You'd buy it from them and they would just, when they bought some 1022s and targets and some ammo, they'd throw some cans into cart and they would get it all through distribution. So it should be pretty easy to get. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to do, you can submit paper form for, you can do e-form for, simply you get on the ATF website, create a user account, and then submit it all electronically. I believe, don't quote me on this, I believe you send in fingerprints and pictures every two years, and then you just submit electronically credit card and it's very fast and easy. Awesome. So, yeah, because they definitely have made that, that easier with those e-forms because before it was they have made a nightmare. It easier to, with yeah, because it's yeah, it was a nightmare to do all the paperwork and then send it in and wait. Now with the e-forms, it's just a lot easier to deal with them. Well, if you're gun store has a like for example silencer shop kiosk that thing prints you like you get printed and it takes your picture <laughs> and it fills it all out for you and the cool thing about yeah. that if you've done that you can be like you know you're kind of in the mood to serve some gun buys you can literally buy a can at two o'clock in the morning it will show up at your dealer That's you can awesome. just submit again you don't have to go back there right it has all your info yeah. it has your prints it has your picture you add to cart pay and the process has begun that is, it's just that's it's such not an awesome technology it, yeah well look here's the thing the paperwork and the hassle of it all and the time has gotten way better. That being said, it's everyone's largest barrier to entry into the NFA because it's still a pain, but it's worth it. But it is a pain. You've got to kind of, you got to put in a little extra work to get these. Yep. So I'm going to ask you a question here. Why dead okay. air over other companies? Well, that's a good question. And I would tell you this, and I answer that question a million times at SHOT Show. I would give them my product explanation, right? I would go through product. Hopefully I would ask them to narrow it down for me so we don't have to start and go through every single product. Like, tell me what your point sure. of interest is and then let me tell you about what we have to offer here. And then you tell me if that's better than something else. Like, that's the decision that you have to make. I'd say if Dead Air has product that works for you, 
and you like it and you're excited about it, then we just made ourselves a little love connection, didn't we? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> I can't answer that for you. So, like so, that so what you're saying very... is you. So what you're saying is you is is your is you love your customers, and sometimes you make a little love with the customers. I think every business person likes to do that from time to time. Yeah, yeah, we like to get along. <laughs> like, look, this is a in technical speak as a economic type base person you would call this a luxury purchase you don't need it you want it yeah like you can live without it but so you need to be a little excited i mean it's not like we're selling bottled water in a little stand out on the desert where you don't have to like me There's but no you're going to be my customer you know yeah this is kind of a different kind of a thing so we need to appeal to that aspect of a person it's one of the things that impressed me um in shot is your booth right so you you just have all the suppressors lined up straight up and down and when you go up there to talk to somebody it's just like they're like well, okay well you, you you go tell me about your suppressors I'm like well what do you want to know about them you know to you know they they deal with that whole getting that information out, like we talked about earlier, what's your use case? My use case is yeah. an AR. Okay. We have this, 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 and, you know, and then they start going through the whole deal and like, well, what if I want to do this? Oh, well, then you do this, this, or you could use this and this. Yeah. I think that's, we want to give a real answer and not just be a sales guy robot in that environment that just goes through a spill and then you walk off. You know, it's got, it's, it's yeah. a personal kind of a thing. And we want to give you the right, like a real answer tailored to fit your needs, not just shotgunning out at people. I don't yeah. know. Okay. We have these products. You, would you like them? Whereas your guys are more like, what's your use case? What, what are you going to use this thing yeah. for? And then we'll, we'll get you to the, we'll get you to the right product. We'll, we'll build you the roadmap. Yeah. We, we do a uh, a little live on Instagram on Fridays, and people answer or ask that question constantly, you know. And we try to answer as best we can with info given at that time. But we can talk further if you want to engage more. So, and that's going to lead me up to the next question is how can people reach you? And for those of you watching or listening to the podcast in the description, I'll have all the links to their webpage, their Instagram, all their social medias down there. But, but how do people reach that air? Info at dead air silencers. Email.com is probably the easiest, most reliable, clear cut way that you're going to get into a conversation with one of us we have instagram so you can dm us is that what the kids say direct yep. message is that yeah right? yep. Thank you. yep so we have facebook and we have a phone but we don't really answer it so don't 
call much sometimes. <laughs> if the so, conversation so, requires a call, we usually initiate that and then be like, hey, you want to talk on the phone? It's hard to answer the phone with as much as we have going on. We've, we've talked about changing that, but it would require a couple more people to keep that phone answered. But I think email, Facebook, Instagram, or we have, and we state this each Friday, where our factory guys are going to be in what we do two or three shoots every weekend. So we'll say what gun store or range event or what have you. We'll have dead air people there that you can just walk up and talk to. And then, of course, Which like is- you shot show. We could just have a regular conversation at any kind of trade any show, of industry NRA. Yeah, yeah, whatever, however you want to do it. Well, and that's kind of the great thing about dead air is that you're not just you're not just sitting there in Utah trying to deal with this stuff. You're actually out into where where the users and the customers are. You know, uh, yeah, I, I like. Yeah, Look, we're going to be at this I travel. Come, come talk to us. Yeah. We all do. We all travel. And then we have our factory sales guys that their job is to travel. So, yeah, we try to touch as many people as we can and, you know, that connect with kind of aspect. Now, my final question before we start wrapping up, where are your suppressors mate. That's, I would tell you that like with most any business, their final assembly and welding is in Georgia, but we have vendors all over the country that make different things and I would also tell you that, and I should have probably touched on this on the muzzle device part of the conversation, but we have J-Mac and Sons of Liberty and Cobalt and Landtac and Blackout Defense just came out. Blackout Defense, OCAM. I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. We But you're talking about your partners. Yeah, talking about light people that we do business with that make product that fits on our product. You know, so where it comes from is kind of a, it's a large conversation. Like if you wanted to be technical about it, because people make stuff for us themselves and sell it themselves too. So, yeah, because there is, um, I'll bring this up real quick for everybody on the podcast here. Cause yeah, you have all you these, these industry partners right here, you know, the Vesky, Lone yes. Star, Radiant. I mean, you're talking about some pretty major names here. This is not, a, this is not some fly by night companies. Like there, there's your land tech, your blackout. Yes. Well, I think it gives, it gives people some more options. You know, everyone's muzzle device, 
we primarily focus on a three-prong flash hider and a muzzle brake from us. But we try not to make 500 different kinds of muzzle brakes and flash hider combos and flash hiders. Other people make that as well. So Awesome. That's where it comes well, from. I know I know we're running about an hour and 15 minutes here. So I'm going to just wrap up with a speed round. This is just a little game I like to play at the end of the podcast just to lighten things up. It's just going to give you a couple of this or that choices. And you just tell me what your choice would be. So for a rifle, bold action or semi-auto? Semi-auto. I know the answer to this because you you answered it earlier, but AK or AR? Hmm. Can I elaborate a little bit? Do we have time absolutely. for that? I, absolutely. I have as much time as you do. I just want to be respectful of your time. It's a blend of both my go-to light rifle is a AK and 5.56. Okay. That way I get reliability and ammo supply. There you go. So a little bit of a blend. I'm a stoner fan. You're stoner fan. Yeah, but you still like absolutely. Your, you, you still like your commie guns too. Oh, dude, I do. But man, there's nothing like having the same thing everybody else has. And it's not like there's a lack of ARs at my house, you know? I like those two. <laughs> I don't two. think there's a lack I don't think there's a lack of ARs <laughs> at just about anybody, any gun fan's house. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. For a rifle caliber, two two three or three hundred blackout? Two two three. Hundred percent. When shooting, would you rather go to an outdoor range? or shoot on public land? Public land. Okay. And for the last question is, is if I were to give you any one historical gun that has ever existed, what gun would you want? That I don't currently have? <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, let's let's go with you. What you don't currently have, <laughs> I should be more specific with that. Right. I just want to be sure. Nope, that you don't have. What 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 historical gun that you don't have would you want? I don't know. I'm having a tough time with this one. I mean, you have a pretty big collection, so yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to get back with okay. you on that. I can't. Nothing comes to mind. I'm sorry. I'm drawing well, a blank let, here. Let's 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 rephrase the gun. Let's rephrase the question. What is your favorite historical gun? Ah oh, man, I know it's not much better, <laughs> is it? <laughs> this is my wife. She already knows the answer, but she's asking me something just to make me say it. Favorite historical gun? 
I'm a very big M1 Garand fan. Oh, you, you're a man of my much heart like right there. Grand. I find them very useful. I'm an Ot6 fan. Yeah, I, I am too. Stick. Yeah, you know what's funny is um, when I first came to Montana, and my M, uh, one of my M1 Grands was my truck gun. So we go run up into the woods and stuff, you know, up into the hills, and we were off road with the uh, with the local four x four club, and they're going, "You have an M1 Grand for a truck gun?" I'm like, "Yep." And they're like, "Why?" I go, "Well, first of all, it's you know, it's an M1 Grand. Why not? You got eight rounds of thirty out six." And they're like, "Yeah, but it's eight rounds." I'm like, "Man, if I can't drop something in eight rounds, that's pretty bad." I go. But on the other side is, is that I also have like a 12 pound rifle. I can swing like a baseball bat too. And not to mention, it doesn't exactly take all day to reload it. Exactly. You know, that's exactly. And, an easy reload. And I say grand because as a very young man, there was a, an abundance of World War II veterans at gun shows long before the internet yeah and the gun show was a much bigger deal you didn't have gun broker my oh. god we didn't even have aol online or whatever yeah. we didn't have that so i distinctly remember these world war ii veterans and they would be super excited about m1 grants which the 20 year old mike thought that was pretty retarded because it was just wood and plain looking and heavy and I didn't get it. And one day yeah. in my, well, I'd say very late 20s, I was just happenstance. I bought one. I bought a less than a million locking bar sided clean Springfield rifle for like 450 bucks. And part of my driving factor to that was for some reason is 30-06 lost the its number one status to maybe win mag out here in the west i for whatever reason i had had a bunch of 30-06 given to me and i had like 500 rounds of all different sorts of brands and bullet weights and whatnot and i didn't know enough to know i shouldn't put this very high powered hunting ammo through on my off rod, although it never hurt the rifle. The rifle took it like a champ. I started to shoot that thing and I couldn't believe how it would dial and yep. the lack of recoil and the overall smoothness of it and the reliability. And I became a, I became a fan. And I think historically when a country as big as ours can transition from bolt guns to semi-auto, with such great success in such mass. And the final product of that 90 years ago is yeah. still a joy to take to the range today. Yeah, I have. Um, so I bought my Garand in my 20s. Um, and yeah, it, it, you know, pre internet and all that stuff. And it was, um, I was the same way because I remember. You know, as a kid in the late 70s, early 80s, going to gun shows and, and seeing all this stuff, I never I never understood it, right? Because I was all about the the new the new hotness, right? Yeah. And um, 
you know, as you get older, you start to appreciate things. Uh, I bought this grand. I think I bought it for about about four hundred dollars, and I love yeah. I love that gun. I love the hell out of that gun. And at the time, I was living in Maryland, and it was just uh, outside Aberdeen Proving Grounds. And I have you know an ammo can of thirty at six because there was a guy that had the uh, contract to clean up the range. So uh -huh. this was all 30 out six that used to be belt fed. You can see where the links were because what they would happen, you, know, you throw the belt over, close it, pull the charging handle, sure. and five rounds fell over. They didn't care. So this is all you know, ball ammo that I have. And man, I used to shoot the crap out of that stuff out of that gun. It's just nice. Nice. So I awesome. I missed the I miss the days of surplus aught six. Yeah. Yeah. It's it just, you don't, you don't get it anymore. Um, it's just, it's just not there. Well, you can I find it load, sometimes. I hand load some usually, sweet light loads nowadays. Yeah. That's pretty much where I'm at. I still have some of that surplus left, but, um, you know, I was, I was smart enough to keep all my brass. So I'll, 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 when I run out of surplus, I'll, I'll start loading those things up to make sure that I'm not running, you know, the nice new hot ammo through that. Cause that's, that's a pretty quick, that's a pretty quick death to an op rod when you start running a lot of that stuff. Well, American Eagle, they make a specific M1 Grand loading currently, a 150 well, I grand. Guess I guess they would have to. I guess somebody would have to just for the uh, like the CMP matches. This is, oh yeah, it's not like 100%. these guns are not getting shot anymore. No, correct. Um, and I just load. A, I'm not super particular on it, but a quality like a Hornaday SST, some kind of polymer tipped, more hunting s target kind of 150 on just a nice charge of you know shooting for that yep. what 2800 feet per second at the muzzle kind of a just be gentle on the rifle yep. love it yeah absolutely love it so well mike i know we're running up uh we're running up on our time here i thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us no it's my pleasure you can edit out all the stupid parts to shorten it up if you want too, you've got that option. Uh, there's no stupid parts. It was all good. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time as well. Thanks for the reach out. Mike is my type of guy. He's just a down-to-earth kind of guy. To let you know how down-to-earth he is, I met him at SHOT, and I didn't even know it was him. You would have no idea that he has dead-air silencers. He's like the guy. You can just walk right up to him and talk to him. So easy to talk to this guy. And man, he has got a lot of knowledge just locked up in that head. And he's working hard to bring great products and great support to the firearms industry. Definitely go check out Dead Air Silencers. I have the links down below that you can just click on and it'll go right over to them. And if you have questions, reach out. They'll answer them.
Now I'm jokingly going to say this because, you know, you hear us talk in the podcast a little bit about a can, a silencer or suppressor. I'm not going to call that, well, the pronouns. Choose your pronoun for your silencer. Is it a silencer? Is it a can? Or is it a suppressor? If there's a comment section that you can comment in, go down there and tell me what your pronoun is for a suppressor or a silencer or can. And I like what Mike is doing with the whole hashtag wow. Because this whole weapons of war thing has gotten just out of hand. You know, politicians have grasped onto that because they want to say weapons of war rather than, you know, assault weapons. They're, they're trying to change that narrative. And I love the wow, right? So don't be surprised when you start seeing me use hashtag wow. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. And I look forward to talking to you again soon.